I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. I'm sure you've seen them on the highway. A dozen or so motorcycle riders decked out in black leather, cruising the road in a pack. They can appear like an intimidating bunch, but that description is far from reality. Tennessee's motorcycle clubs are hubs for community and finding a sense of belonging. Later this hour, we're going to get an inside look at one clubhouse in our region and learn more about the language and traditions that make up our local bike, biker culture. But first, it's time for At Us. Yes, each week, we take time to read the comments so you don't have to. I'm encouraging you, literally, to at us on Twitter at ThisIsNashville and on Instagram at ThisIsNashville underscore WPLN. Joining me now with a look back at the past week is our digital lead, Anna Gallegos-Cannon. Hey, Anna. Hey, Khalil. It's glad to be nice and dry in the studio. Dry indeed. That's the operative word. Okay, <laughs> so let, let's get to it. What are our listeners talking about this week? Well, I found out if there's one thing that can really get locals' blood boiling, it's parking. No? Parking. I I think I would agree. It's a good <laughs> thing we did a whole show on that, though. Right. So over on our Instagram, we have a post about the changes that are coming um, to parking downtown this month. And by changes, you mean no more free parking, at least in certain parts of downtown. Yep, and people are really unhappy about that change. We got a lot of comments on Instagram this week saying the city should invest in public transportation if it really wants to reduce traffic downtown and across the city, as opposed to just getting rid of free parking. Mm -hmm. Which is something we've heard a lot on this show, but that's not really controversial. But I, as I recall from that conversation, free parking downtown doesn't actually encourage people to use public transit. Yeah, and out of the 60 or so comments we received... Hold on, 60 comments? Yeah, wow. yeah, on parking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but anyways, out of those 60 comments, a lot of folks see eliminating free parking as just one more way the city is prioritizing downtown over other areas. So Jennifer wrote to us saying, quote, I can see why locals will want to avoid downtown even more now. I hope they also did an impact study on how many dollars will be lost as a result, mm. end quote. And on a similar note, the modern rogue wrote, quote, I'm just not going to downtown ever for anything. If I have friends visiting from out of state, I'm not bringing them down there. The city has let locals know how ir irrelevant we are. End wow. quote. How irrelevant we are. Those are strong words. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Paying for parking is really inconvenient, but Tish reminded us about what this means for lower income residents. She wrote, quote, gosh, that free parking was huge for me when I was a single parent working downtown. I really feel for anyone this impacts in a big way. Wow. It's going to impact a lot of people. We'll mm -hmm. see how this where this goes. Okay, so... We're going from parking cars to racing them. <laughs> what did our listeners have to say after last Thursday's show about the future of the fairground speedway? Well, not to be all both sides about it, <laughs> but all in all, we received pretty much an equal number of tweets in favor of the revamped speedway and against it. Interesting. So our listener, Angela, is in the pro speedway group. She tweeted at us saying, quote, I live on Stewart Place for years. It's a very short distance from the fairgrounds. In fact, walking distance. Noise levels inside of the homes are completely acceptable and did not disrupt conversation. Sometimes we need to invest in old Nashville, too. End quote. The noise level is a real sticking point in the debate over the speedway. I'll say that. 
Indeed. We also got a tweet from Christian who wrote, quote, the night my dad died, we tried to sit out on my porch with my family to talk. And we literally could not hear each other due to a race. I lived two miles away. Wow. That's pretty rough. Yeah. But on a lighter note, we actually received a whole lot of love for on our episode about the Nashville sit-ins. And especially for our guests who all participated in the sit-ins. And they were Professor Glory McKissick, King Hollins, and Frankie Henry. On Instagram, Chetty wrote to us saying, quote, one of your best episodes ever. Your guests are true heroes. Agreed. Kim also left us a comment saying, quote, Hi, Miss McKissick. We were so lucky to have you teaching us U.S. history, end quote. That's cool. I thought it was really awe-inspiring to have these living civil rights legends in the studio. It really was. You know, normally for listeners, sometimes uh, we call them parking lot moments where we sit with guests because the conversation is so great. Sometimes that lasts like 10 to 15 minutes. I was talking with those three elders for about 45 minutes after the show. Truly a pleasure, and it's what... One of the the reasons I love sitting in this host chair. You know, so what else we have, Anna? So we have to correct something from Tuesday's show about um, HIV funding. Mm -hmm. On air and online, we originally said that Tennessee's new health commissioner, Dr. Ralph Alvarado, announced that the state would reject federal funds for HIV prevention. Um, It was actually the Tennessee Health Department that made an announcement as opposed to the commissioner himself. So that's just a small clarification I wanted to add. Mm-hmm. But before I jump off the air and back online, I want everyone to know that we're planning a future show that will sort, it'll be kind of like a primer about the General Assembly. So this idea was actually inspired by a tweet from our listener, Stephen. Yesterday, he tweeted at us asking, how can people who aren't politically savvy learn more about the inner workings of the state legislature so get ready Stephen. we will have some answers for you on that soon all right that is our digital lead anna gallegos cannon thanks for this roundup anna we will see you soon of course and our listeners know where to find me online don't forget to add us on twitter and instagram and let's keep the comments coming also fill out our community survey to let us know what topics you want us to cover at thisisnashville.org it's super easy and quick and helps us produce shows with your needs and interests in mind. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we'll head out to a motorcycle clubhouse in West Lafayette. Do you ride motorcycles? What do you love about it? Tweet us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. For nearly a century, bikers have been a well-known American icon. Still, biker culture, and in particular, motorcycle and riding clubs, are still wrapped up in a certain amount of mystery. Last summer, our producer Rose Gilbert was filling up her car at a gas station while she was out in Gallatin doing some community engagement for our show when she met a biker named Longhair. Longhair is a member of Justified Riding Club, and months later, he invited Rose to check out the grand reopening of their Trosdale County Clubhouse right off Highway 52 in West Lafayette. But as it is the nature with clubhouses, she couldn't just walk in without an escort. Hey, Rose. Hey. Hey, I'm the car pulling in out by the road right now. I'll meet you in a second. All right, see you soon. Okay. All right, bye. Hey, what's going on, brother? Hey. Uh-huh. Good to see you. 
Inside, the club has a rock and roll family reunion kind of vibe. There's a band playing, kids running around, an adult shooting pool and helping themselves to a buffet of taco fixins. Most everyone is wearing a leather vest called a cut. Longhair explains that the patches on a cut tell you everything you need to know about the person wearing it, from their club affiliation to their road name. By the way, a road name is what members go by in most clubs. And how do you get a road name, you might ask? I, if you join the club, don't let us pick it for you. I can tell you that. Uh, pick a good name that you are comfortable with. Longhair's a name I've had ever since I got out of the Army. I got out of the Army in 1991, and I swore I'd never cut my hair again. Well, I can't see the back of it. I cut my own hair, so I got long hair. But underneath the patches and the cuts and the road names, what is Justified all about? Well, to be clear, the Justified Riding Club is a fundamentally Christian organization. In fact, one of the club's founding members and its president, Chief, is an ordained minister. Yeah, a minister. So for him, this is all about God and serving the people. Lives are actually physically and spiritually changed through the relationship with the club. Chief conducts weekly services, and the club hosts frequent charity rides for organizations like St. Jude's or to raise money for causes like breast cancer research. That might be surprising, but charity is a big part of biker culture. Paul said, I do not care if I'm judged by you or any other man, for I am judged by the Lord above. That's why that is the motto they chose for Justified. And it's not fair for somebody to, to look at me and uh, because I might have a beard or tattoos or wear rings and ride a motorcycle and automatically judge me that I don't know God or I'm not a good person. And that mission must be working for people because over the past decade, Justified has grown from just six members to 70 across three chapters in Smith, Trousdale, and Putnam. Chief says some of these folks didn't exactly feel at home in a traditional church environment. You know, I, I had people that were members, started out as members of the club that would not even drive by a church. They, they, uh, they were afraid that if they got close to it, it would burst into flames. So Justified was the perfect alternative. Yes, I have my own bike and I've been a member for four years. Fifi is a full patch member who wears her black leather cut over a cozy yellow sweater. Her path to joining a riding club was a little unusual. Well, one thing, before I started going around Justified, um, I had a husband that had recently passed away, and for the first time in my life, I was totally alone. A friend of hers told her about Justified and brought her to the clubhouse. Like said, BB had never even driven a motorcycle at that point. I was totally out of my element, and I was scared to death. What was I doing in the biker world? But then here I am, four years later, and I love every minute of it. The biker world as we know it today in America was founded by pilots and airmen returning from World War II. To this day, motorcycle and riding clubs are especially popular with veterans, including here in Tennessee. Lucky is one of them. I come from a broken home as a kid, and you know, I went in the Army, and then the Army is the only place I found brotherhood. But when he retired from the Army, he felt kind of lost. I retired from the Army, didn't really know where I belonged. Uh, I moved for the four years before I got to Tennessee, I moved from state to state to state. Uh, I didn't stay more than one year in any state. I got here, I was riding my bike one day, I broke down, I met Justified, and they became my family. And this is, this is the reason I live in Tennessee, is because of this club, nothing else. This is my family. 
Now, Lucky is the road captain for the Smith County chapter of Justified. That means it's his job to plan and scope out the route before a big ride. I'll do the whole route by myself, make sure there's no debris in the road, make sure there's no, uh, pretty much anything that's going to mess anybody up on, on two wheels. And then um, on the actual day of the ride, I'm in the front of the pack. my kids. Your kids? <laughs> yeah, my kids. You know, I got six of them in here. I got like 20. <laughs> Outside, a small crowd of members are catching up and goofing off, all while keeping an eye on a gaggle of kids playing tag in the parking lot. Lighting up a cigarette, long hair looks on with unmistakable fondness. Uh, have there always been so many kids around? Yeah. It's a family. It's a family is what it is. He points to a patch on his chest a patch I've seen on the cut of every Justified member I've met tonight, which reads GFWC. God Family Work Club, which is what the GFWC stands for, is bottom line, that's what we stand for. We got your back, just like you got ours, you know, and we'll help you if you need it, no matter what. My next guest knows the motorcycle world all too well. I'd like to introduce Dixie Bell, solo writer and owner of Dixie Bells in Lafayette. Thanks for being here and welcome to This is Nashville. Well, thank you. Such a pleasure to have you with us. So tell me, how did you get introduced to the world of motorcycle culture? Well, I've always been around the motorcycles and then my boyfriend and I rode and then one thing just led to another, and just like I just heard a while ago, it you become family. And the main thing is is raising fundraising and helping people do what they do. That's what it's all been about what's for it, me. What's it like being in the biker world? It's wonderful. Hmm. <laughs> it gives you a purpose. It gives you a purpose, the brotherhood, the sisterhood, the hugs, the, the respect. Um it's just a whole different, you know, culture and you can just be yourself and everybody's got, you know, the wind therapy and the freedom in common, you know, and then doing something for a cause. Wind therapy. What's that? Oh, that's just when you're on that bike wide open and just the wind blowing and the radio playing. and mm. It just kind of resets you. Oh, I like Kind of like a day at the spa. Kind of like a day at the spa. Like a day at the spa. I like that. Okay. Yeah, you just don't look as cute when you get off the bike, though, because, you know, you have helmet hair. Yeah. But it's okay. Nice. We, we all recognize each other. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. you know, from what I understand, there's two types of groups. There's motorcycle clubs and riding clubs. What's the yes. difference between the two? Um. Well, the riding clubs are... Wow. <laughs> they're, they're just, they have a different set of rules, but they still have the basic rules of respect and stuff like that, but not the same requirements. Does that make sense? A little bit. I think that does make sense. Tell me this. How can one identify a member of a motorcycle club? They're again, the, the cut. Define cut for me. Cut. Uh, that's your, your, Logo, you know, the road name and all the different stuff in the way patches are specifically placed upon their vest. And you can tell a motorcycle versus RC. I mean, a motorcycle club versus RC. Um, 
there's just there's differences. They look the same in terms of black and white, but there's just different things about them. So they would have like and I, different names on the patches. Yeah, there's names. Yeah, yeah, the clubs all have the different names. I mean, they all have like the same um, patch, but you know, they might be where they're from, what part of Tennessee, or you know, something like that. But there's always some identifying things on their cut. Okay. But that's how you know. And in this world, you know who they are. Mm-hmm. Does well, that make sense? It, that makes sense to me. What about what about a 1% club? I mean, what are those? Are those older clubs? Yes, those the older clubs. Okay. Okay. And there again, it's just different different rules for different, you know, different clubs. Mm-hmm. If you're just tuning in. For, it, for example, like an RC, a woman can have a position in an RC, but an MC, you cannot. Oh, okay. okay. That's part of the difference. I gotcha. Okay. So we're in the brotherhood that, you know, sisters aren't a part of that. But in RC, I could be, you know, something in, within the club. Okay. As a female. All right. You know, I'm okay. going to come back to that and ask you that a little bit later. But if you're just tuning in, okay. this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Kalio Lake We're talking this hour about Nashville's biker culture. Join the conversation by tweeting us at This Is Nashville. And I'd like to bring in my next guests. Chuck D is the president of Nashville's chapter of the Buffalo Soldiers. Chuck, welcome to This Is Nashville. Good morning. Thank you for having me. He's also joined by Daddy Ray, who is an original member of the Buffalo Soldiers. Daddy Ray, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. So, you know, Chuck, you've been riding motorcycles pretty much your entire life, right? I have. How long? Probably since I was nine or ten, I had a two-stroke Honda. Well, what are you riding now? Ooh, I ride a fully custom Harley Davidson, and uh, when I take long trips, I have a Victory Vision. Very comfortable. Okay. Now, tell me, why do you love riding so much? I got to go with Dixie on this one. It's the wind therapy. It's the camaraderie. It's the brotherhood and sisterhood. You know, it's uh, regardless of what patch you wear, we all have that same thing in common, and that's the wind in our hair and the love of just riding. Mm. Man, that sounds intoxicating. It is. Now, Daddy Ray, you came out in full riding regalia today. Can you tell us about the getup? Well, one of the things that we try to do is uh, when when I'm here to speak on the Buffalo Soldiers, I want to let people know how we dress. Mm -hmm. And and what what we do when we dress, it's a, you know... Just let people know who we are as a Buffalo soldier. Because when I come out in my gold shirt, my black pants, my vest, with my logos on, uh, I get respect from my other brothers and it, who rides. So that's why uh, when I come out with everything, when I, especially when I want to be talked about, mm-hmm. I try to show up formal. You're representing in full force, my friend. I will say that. Thank you. Yes, sir. Now, you know, as I mentioned, you are an original member of the Buffalo Soldiers here in Nashville. It's it's a motorcycle club named after the African-American Cavalry Unit from the 1860s. Can you tell us a little bit more about the history of the club? Well, the Buffalo Soldiers started out in 1866 when we first had the 10th Cavalry and 9th. And uh, but also 
they were the 25th and the, well, the 24th and the 25th, but those were infantry units. And, but they were more, but they broke it down to just four. Mm-hmm. And say most of the Buffalo soldiers were out west from the, from the Mississippi uh, no, uh, west and out in Oklahoma, Texas, you know, Arizona way. That's mm-hmm. where most we were. And the Buffalo soldiers were the guys that people really didn't know anything about. Because the black soldiers who were out there, they were escorting the uh, settlers west. They were protecting the people as they went west. And we also, we fought. We fought with the Indians. And that's how really we got our name Mm. from the Buffalo soldiers was from the Indians. Because like I said, the Buffalo soldiers, we fought. We didn't just go out there and just like didn't do anything like some like history has put us like we were nothing. No, we we did our job when we was there. How important is that history to you? It is because I'm a veteran mm-hmm. and I'm a black veteran. I'm proud of it because my great grandfather, he was in World War One. My grandfather was in World War Two in Korea. And I went in. My sons, both of my sons, was in the military also. So I take it, I take it sort of seriously when people want to talk about the, uh, how what black people didn't do or did do in the uh, military. I want a question for you. How important is that history, and how did that history translate into this writing club here? Chuck? Wow. Um I guess that that history is important because we help carry on the name, the heritage, the struggle and the fight. As Daddy Ray was saying, is that we helped settle the West during the Indian Wars. We just wasn't sitting around with ample time. You know, we had a mission, and our mission was to keep that territory safe. Very much like today, we have a mission. You know, we are the largest black, you know, African American 501c3 charitable organization. And our mission from day to day is to make sure that people in need get what they need as far as provisions are concerned, Mm. whether that's scholarship money to a young kid that's going from high school to college or whether that's helping the needy during the holidays who can't find themselves being able to buy their children uh, Christmas gifts or even, you know, Thanksgiving time to put a turkey on the table. Mm -hmm. That's what this organization is about. What sets the Nashville chapter apart from which chapter where we're talking about <laughs> what's special about the nashville chapter when we look at the entirety of the buffalo soldiers in the united states we look better <laughs> <laughs> i mean no honestly both, uh both got some clean outfits nothing on. nothing really sets us apart if you if you notice if you notice this patch right here o-c-o-p-o-m mm-hmm. it stands for one club one patch one mindset so we all carry this patch. Every Buffalo soldier, every vest that you'll see, you'll see that patch once he's dressed. He's not dressed today, uh, but that's that's our motto. Mm-hmm. We only have one mission. So nothing sets us apart uh, besides probably leadership, the fundraising that we do, the type of activities we do. Mm-hmm. But we all have the same mission. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, Dixie mentioned this a little bit earlier about 
the riding clubs and the motorcycle clubs and the hierarchical system, mm -hmm. hierarchical system there, and how women are allowed to participate in certain clubs, motorcycle clubs, not necessarily. Is that the case with the Buffalo Soldiers? Are both women and men allowed to become full members? Most definitely. Um, w w a soldier is a soldier. Um, and just in, in our militaries, you hear Army guys say they just bleed green. Our, our brothers or our sisters are not above the other. Um, we treat everybody with respect, regardless if you belong to an MC or RC um, or just a, an associate, somebody a hang around. Mm -hmm. uh, you still going to have that same respect. Now, you know, I know there's particular lingo that exists in the biker world, and bikers have road names. We got Chuck D, we got Daddy Ray, and that's a road name. Dixie, tell us about road names. I mean, what are they? Are they nicknames? Uh, generally, um, sometimes the president of the club, um, they'll give you names, and just based on your behavior, some are funny. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> typically nicknames. How does somebody get a really cool nickname? Uh, you come up with it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. So we'll, no. I wonder what my road name should be. Oh, I would Happy. call you proper. Proper. Well, I like that. Or I would call you smooth. Smooth. Yeah, look, either one works because back in the day, <laughs> propers, you know, you got props and proper. Yeah, exactly. Word. I like that. Okay. So call me proper smooth, y'all. That's my new road <laughs> name. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, we were hearing earlier that, you know, finding community is a big draw for riders in the clubs. Exactly. Dixie, your boyfriend was a member of the Motorcycle Club Justified, and I understand that he passed away, and I want to offer my condolences to you. How well, did, thank you for that. Yes. Yes, indeed. Tell me, how, how did the club show up for you during that time? Well, actually, I got to set the record straight. He was a member of Silent Creed. Okay. okay? Um, but we supported Justified. Okay. Um, but Justified did come. Um, they represent, um, it was more than just one club, actually. And when I had to bury him last year. And we do a lot of veterans runs. So there were a lot of veterans there and everything. Um, it's... It's I can't even talk about it without getting a tear in my eye, mm -hmm. but it's that thunder and a show of respect. It, it doesn't get any better than what it is in the biker world. Did they go on a memorial ride for him? Um, they did a fundraiser for me, actually, um, to help me because it was, you know, he passed away so sudden and I had to move and everything. And I am always out here fundraising for everybody else. And to have this club do that for me, that's it was just priceless. That's wonderful. That's yeah. Can, can you, you know that's part of the brotherhood, though. <laughs> yeah, that 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 support. The fact that you all immediately come to help anybody in need. When I lived in New Mexico, I knew some people who were a part of motorcycle clubs. And whenever someone had a problem, if somebody got in an accident down the street, yeah. they immediately were on their bikes there to help them out. That's something that I yeah. saw. And you know, they were uh, a friend of mine um, last year uh, mm -hmm. passed away who was a part of a motorcycle club, and they took a memorial ride. And I wonder, Dixie, what is it like to be on a memorial ride for a fallen member? It's hard. It's hard. It's um, it's just really hard. But, it, it, but it's inspiring at the same time because of the respect that you're doing. You know, showing up, representing. Um, that's what it is for me. Mm. You know, and there's usually some, there's always the, contributions from all the brothers and sisters it just it, as a whole it there's just no words for it mm. you know yeah 
I mean, but I just wish we had more of it. Actually, <laughs> we need a lot. You know, especially we just need some more unity in this place. You know. Well, tell me about that. You know, a lot of people have misunderstandings about the motorcycle world. What do you want people to know about biker biker culture? What is something that they can learn from the culture? About about the culture, it's just you know more respect when you see these bikes and these large groups on the road, and um, respect their safety because you've got a mixture of everybody out here and the fact that you know they're there if you need them i mean they're whether it's toys for tots or like the other gentleman was saying you know the turkey shirt you know we just do so much and we want to do more which we could do more you know with the more people get involved even if they just support these clubs you know with what they're doing even though they may not want to be a part of the biker, biker culture they can still unite or contribute to help people like with the homeless, feeding the homeless. That's a big thing, especially with Justified just last week, for example. I'm a big supporter of Justified, but they're not the only ones I support. I wish I could do them all, but I can't. But I try to make a difference when and where I can. Mm -hmm. I hope that made sense. (laughs) It made perfect sense. That is Dixie Bell, solo writer and owner of Dixie Bells in Lafayette. She was joined by Daddy Ray, an original member of the Buffalo Soldiers. I want to thank you both. For being here with us, Chuck D. of the Buffalo Soldiers will stick around with us through the break. When we come back, we'll learn about the history of biker culture and how it's changed over the years. Tweet us your comments at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. This is Nashville. Today, we are turning the wheels on biker culture and learning about the highly visible yet still mysterious motorcycle clubs in our state and region. Let's dive a little more into the history of biker clubs here in Tennessee with my next guests. Carl Jazzman Little is the president of the Buffalo Soldiers Clarksville chapter. Jazzman, thanks for being here. Welcome to This is Nashville. How, first of all, why do they call you Jazzman? Okay, Jazzman has two meanings. Uh, let's go back to before I joined the club. I was called Jazzman because of a radio background. I used to do a college radio show, and my uh, intro was, ladies, grab your man. Gentlemen, grab your ladies. This is KLCC. We're going to be on the air for the next four hours with a nice, lovely evening of jazz. That's the originator. Mm-hmm. Then once I came to the club, Wherever we pull up to an event, I would always put my uh, motorcycle speakers on some jazz. So everybody was like, that's the jazz man. That's the jazz man. I mean, smooth is what I call it. (laughs) (laughs) It worked out. Well, tell me, when did you start riding bikes? Oh, I've been on motorcycles in 50 years. Uh, As soon as I joined the military, I got to my first permanent permanent station. And uh, the second thing I bought was a motorcycle. The first was a car. The second was a motorcycle. Well, what are you riding now? Uh, 2020 Harley-Davidson Road Glide Limited. So Harleys are the standard. Uh, pretty if much Harleys like, and like Go-Wings. No, we're not going to go there. <laughs> Harleys and Go-Wings are the two biggest ones you're going to find. 
but you need some kind of a touring bike because with our club, we travel. So it's not just, okay, I ran to Nashville or Nashville ran to Clarksville. We call it a day. You know, a day maybe leave here. We're getting ready to go have lunch in Little Rock. Sit wow. down, have lunch in Little Rock, talk to the brothers over there and either spend the night or come back. But that, that's kind of like a small run for us. Have you ever done an, a, a trip all the way across the country? Yes, I just finished two years ago. It was called the USA Four Corner Run. Madawaska, Maine, Blaine, Washington, San Ysidro, California, and uh, Key West, Florida. I did the whole thing in 19 days. 19 days you saw the entire country. Oh, yeah, it was fun. That must have been one hell of a ride. Well, you hit every bit of weather out there. The scenery is great, and it's like everybody's been saying, the wind therapy you get on, and you just point the bike in a direction and let it run. Well, you've been doing this for such a long time. How has motorcycle culture changed over the years? It's a lot more inclusive. Um, back in the early 70s, when I was in Oakland, San Francisco area, it was very regimented. You really didn't see a lot of women riding. And at that time, because the biggest bikes were sport bikes, there weren't a lot of black clubs in that area that were on Harleys. So that has been a transition to go from the sport bike world to go to the big touring bikes. Um, the other thing was people are like, I know from California, we used to go from L.A. to Vegas and say we had a run. Mm. And now you sit there and go to Vegas and go, hey, we had lunch. Where are we going now? Yeah. You, know, it's, you, you just you evolve with the bikes. You start realizing that I can go further than what I thought I could do. And as long as you tell yourself, ride till you get tired, it's not about what Chuck's going to do. It's like, okay, I'm done, okay? And as a club, you kind of figure out who's your weakest rider, and you kind of structure your rides to that person. Okay. Now, Chuck D., president of the Buffalo Soldiers Nashville chapter, is still with us. Thank you again for What's being up? here, Chuck. You know, some of the clubs can be ethnically homogenous, mm -hmm. and some make use of the Confederate flag. You know, from the outside looking in, seeing the Confederate flag used so casually can be a little bit shocking, what do you make of it, Chuck? Um, I'm a Dukes of Hazards kid, man. Me too. You know, I grew up on a Dukes of Hazards. Mm -hmm. I think I was telling Rose that early on, when I first entered the military, I came into my, my room, and around the back wall was a Confederate flag, huge, about as big as the wall was. However, my bunkie was a redhead guy, stocky, stood about 5'3", and he was listening to Run DMC, My Adidas. And he was the coolest dude I ever met in my life. Mm -hmm. So when I see it, I just see that's your heritage. I don't see anything else. Mm -hmm. You believe what you want to believe. Um, at the end of the day, uh, you, you get respect, you give respect. So it's about this mutual, it's about this code of mutual respect for yourself and other clubs. Exactly. Interesting how that's a lesson that maybe you know, the rest of the country could pay attention to. Yeah. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil Lake Alona. We're talking this hour about the history of biker clubs in Tennessee. Jazzman, what do you think about that? You've been on bikes, you've been in clubs, you've been around the country with this. When you run into other biking groups, and you may see a Confederate flag, how do you approach that situation? I'm going to approach everybody, man or woman, Hello, how are you? And we will keep it on a cordial level. Now, with, with my background, if you want to go to the 
hood or go down low, we can do that. But I prefer to approach you from a period of respect and let you tell me how we're going to interact. If I come at you from a high level of respect and you want to interact there, we're fine. I don't care anything else. Uh, if you want to take that other track, then I just kind of mentally make a switch and say, I remember being 20, 19, 20 years old where it didn't matter anymore. Mm. But at my age, I, I don't like doing those kinds of things anymore. So I prefer to say, you know what, if that's the way you feel, you have a good day. And I'm gone. You know, at large biker rallies, do you see just an overwhelming level of honor and respect taking place there? Most definitely. On oh, yes. all parts. On yeah. all parts. Now, you know, biker culture, we're on the screen a lot with the television show Sons of Anarchy. Hmm. And that's kind of purely entertainment. But I'm curious, like, if Sons and other shows like that have given people the wrong impression of motorcycle clubs. Chuck D., what are your thoughts? Probably so. I think we are more driven towards what we see. And, you know, we kind of go off of that as a template instead of being a part of and actually being in the inner workings of it to exactly know what this club stands for, what it represents, and what the vision is. So, mm. yeah, I think we get a bad rap because of shows like that. Yeah. Now, when, when the club kind of like pulls up to a restaurant or a spot where you all are going to be maybe just getting gas and refueling for a minute, what kind of looks do you all get from people? From a different club? Or just from people in general? Just from people in general. Oh, my God. I mean, for us, it's it's once they look at the Buffalo Soldiers, and a lot of us are military veterans. Mm -hmm. um, we'll, we'll wear our military patches proudly. And it's always, hey, thank you for your service. If they know anything about the Buffalo Soldiers and the history themselves, hey, guys, you know, thank you for carrying on their name. So I've never had an experience where, uh, because I pulled up as a biker, um, you know, a woman grabbed her kid up out the road or, you know, uh, when I walked in, the whole counter <laughs> counter cleared. It's, it's just yeah. not like that. It's just a perception. And it's totally different. A lot of guys want to talk to you about what you're riding. That's a sweet bike you got there. That's a good scooter. You know, where'd you get it? How much you pay for it? So there's a lot of uh, individuals um, or people when you when you pull up to the pump, there's conversation. There's a dialect between people because a lot of people are, because we a culture, it's mysterious. They want to talk to you about it, mm. but it's not repulsive. I, I've never, you know, uh, pulled up to the pump and I heard somebody's car door lock and they they drove off with the pump still in their tank. Yeah. You know, so no, 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 no. Jasmine, you know, how do you respond when people compare motorcycle clubs to the Son of, Sons of Anarchy and sh other shows? TV is entertainment. It's not to educate. So... I prefer to take the tact of let me educate you on where we are. Um, too many times people that have watched the show and, and they sit up and they say, oh, well, you're, you're an MC, so you're going to do the same things. And we're looking at you like, no, nah, man, I'm getting a bottle of water and <laughs> I'm about to get back on this bike and go about my business. You, you do you. We don't have time for that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, my experience has been primarily everybody wants to talk about the bikes. And now that there's so many bikes in America, everybody goes, well, I have this kind of bike and you have that kind of bike. So what did you do to yours versus what I did to mine? And uh, then you get into, and Chuck and I almost went there. We do In our club, everybody's going to talk about it. I ride this kind of a bike, so this my bike is better than your bike. Okay. You know, it's just part of the fun of, the, of being in the motorcycle world. Now, is there a standard? Do I have to have a particular type of bike to be in the Buffalo Soldiers? You have to have a motorcycle with an engine size of 750 cc's that's the smallest thing you can have okay 
And you got to be willing to ride. You got to be willing to ride. Yeah. So talk to me about this pledging process. Huh. Um, I got the smile on your face, Chuck. I like that. I mean, okay, so how does it start? Let's say I got my bike, 720 cc's, you know, and I'm rolling around and I run into y'all and I'm like, Chuck, I want to be down, man. How can I, what's the process like to put Mr. Smooth into the Buffalo Soldiers? Well, it'll, it'll first be a hang around period. Okay. That hang around period, even before you put on a cut, even before you think about putting on a cut, you have to hang around for a certain amount of days with the family to make sure that you jive with what we're trying to do, to make sure you are most definitely, you know, soldier ready, soldier material. Um, that's, that's the first part of it. Um, once, and everything is a vote. Mm-hmm. Everything is a vote. And that vote is only given out by full patch members. You can't be an associate. You have to be a full patch member. So we'll get together and convene after your hangaround period, and it'll have, you'll have to be even voted in as a probationary member. Okay. And once your probationary period starts, there's still certain benchmarks that you have to meet, regardless of how long that may take. Wow. So it can I could be a, in probationary period for three years, essentially? Possibly, yeah. Has anyone ever amazed you? Have you ever had somebody like the rookie of the year who's come in and you're like, wow, we just love them, and within a year and a half, they're a full patch member? Um, it's possible. <laughs> Highly <laughs> unlikely. It's, it's possible. you got to put in the work. Uh-huh. There's work to put in. You know, there's there's also... funds, fundraisers to do. There's miles to put on your bike. Because you learn a lot of people. You learn a lot about your brother, mm. about the potential uh, probie or the potential full patch member being on a road, you'll be amazed how much you, you learn about people being out on the open road. And when I say open road, I'm talking about crossing state lines, you know, 900 miles one way. Mm. And, you know, starting the morning, riding through the middle of the night, you learn a lot about people. Why this extensive process, Jasmine? Well, when you represent this organization, we want to make sure that you're honoring the legacy that we stand for, number one. Number two, part of our mandate is that we teach people about the history of the club. You don't get that by sitting in the classroom reading a book and say, hey, I read three books, I know what it's about. No. Like you said, when you get on the open road, I will meet Chuck the first time in an organization meeting. He's like, oh, okay. Hey, hey, that's Chuck. Now, we ride from here to Little Rock. When I get to Little Rock, I'm like, no, let me tell you about Chuck. Chuck does this in an adversity. Chuck likes to do these kinds of things. Chuck will get over here and he'll either go slow or go fast in these type of situations. Mm -hmm. So now I'm learning about you that you're never going to tell me because I'm not exactly observing what you do. Because we believe if I observe you do it, I'm going to learn more that way than you sitting here blowing smoke and tell me, well, I can do X, Y, and Z. Uh We're, We're like, okay, there's the motorcycle. There's the road. Show it. That's how you all instill that level of trust with each other. Yeah, well, correct. When you when you when you ride and you know double down the road, staggered three feet right behind somebody's tire, you know, and you doing 85, 90 miles an hour, mm-hmm. there is most certainly a level of trust. So reckless reckless riders definitely they don't get any shot. Uh, no, you're not going to be around us okay, because no. I'm gonna, I have to look at you and say, I, I did my career before I retired, being able to trust the people I'm with. My mantra was, I left home to go to work. I'm coming back home. I don't care what I got to do while I'm out, but I have to get back to my house. Mm. So I've got to be the same thing on the club. We've got to be able to say, we're going from A to B. We all going to get there as a group or we not. But nobody's going to get left behind. And 
if I brought 10 people to this event, I got to take 10 people home. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, we've learned a handful about riding in motorcycle clubs in Tennessee. I'm curious, how do the clubs get along? You know, do, are there any rivalries out there in the state? It probably is, but not to my knowledge. Uh, me and my organization, we steer clear away from uh, that type of uh, uh, drama. Drama. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't claim a territory. We're not a 1% club. Um, we are strictly a 501c3 charitable organization. All right. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering about these long runs. You guys got me mystified a little bit. You know, like, does everyone ride at the same pace? Or is there certain members of the club kind of riding a little bit further? Like you said, the newer, <clears throat> weaker riders, are, are they kind of further in the back? How does it work? Uh, we'll put you in the middle of the formation with everybody. And we do, we call it a trip ticket. You know, we're leaving here going to Little Rock, okay? The smallest gas tank may only get 115 miles. So that means that every 100 miles, I have to pull everybody off the road to make sure we got gas, everybody's good, your legs feel good, you drank a bottle of water, okay, then we take off. You may have too large of a group because I don't want to try to put 15 to 20 bikes down the road at one time. Mm-hmm. It's too hard to maneuver that pack across the road. So you, for I think most of us try to keep it about 10, maybe 12 riders to a group. Mm-hmm. And then once you got everybody's full patch, now, okay, now we know what everybody's likes are. And we say, okay, this person wants to run hard. I'm one of these guys, I want to get up and hit that road at 3, 4 a.m. in the morning, and I'm running to 5, 6 in the evening. Uh, I got other people in the the club that'll say, hey, we can get out here at like 8 o'clock, but come 4, I'm about done. So you find out what people's uh, abilities are. Chuck, you ever feel the need for speed, or you just want to show them what you got? Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I always feel the need for speed. but in a, in a safe way. But I always, I always feel the need for speed. With, within the constraints of the law, we'll say. Well, <laughs> I will within say the within constraints the constraints of my mindset at the time. <laughs> I, I want open road where I don't have to worry about a person in a car pulling in front of us because, and I, I teach people how to ride motorcycles. And one of the things I have to express to my students, as you ride, you have to be aware that nobody looks for us. And give you a case in point. You went out and bought your newest car. You looked around for it, didn't see a lot of people with it, so you bought it. As soon as you pulled it off the lot, everybody in town was driving that exact same car, that exact same color, because your mind had now been trained to look for that car. Mm-hmm. So unless a person rides a motorcycle, they don't know that, hey, the motorcycle would be on the road legally where they are, and people in a car will still cut you off. Our, our number one way of getting hurt is people making left turns in front of us. They'll just boom. And then mm-hmm. when you talk to them, they're like, well, I never saw you. Mm. So what, what do you all have to say to anyone listening, to people who don't ride motorcycles and, and aren't, aren't aware? What do you have to say about <clears throat> be, paying attention and being safe on the road and being mindful of that other vehicles are out there? Don't double check, triple check. Look to your left or right. Okay, I'm good. Look again. And just before you move, look a third time because I'm going to move at the same amount of speed that you are and I can operate in that entire 14 feet of lane that you have. So don't assume that just as long as I'm out there that, well, I'm going to stop on a dime. It can't happen in a car. It can't happen in a motorcycle. And they have all this caging around us. If I go down, it's myself, my clothing, and the road. So give us a little respect out there also because we're definitely trying to give you some. Chuck? I totally, I totally agree with what he said. I echo his same sentiments. All right. Yeah. All right. So 
you know, for anybody who's interested in joining a club, Chuck, what advice do you have for them? Work hard, be open-minded, think outside the box when it comes to uh, the things you want to bring to that organization. Uh, be mindful and be very respectful. Jazz man. I would say make sure you do your research on the club and what they're about that you're interested in joining because part of our vetting you is going to ask, well, what do you know about us? Where have you seen? Where have you gone? Uh, what do you like to do? And we're trying to see if you and your goals fit in with the things we try to do. I really appreciate both of you all being here, being on the show and, and schooling us on what bike and motorcycle culture is about. Those were my guests. It was Carl Jazzman Little, who is the president of the Buffalo Soldiers Clarksville chapter, and Chuck D, president of the Buffalo Soldiers Nashville chapter. Again, gentlemen, thank you so much, and good luck, and be safe out there on the road. Thank you, you too. Thank you. We want to thank everyone who tuned in this hour. Tomorrow, from two wheels to eight, we'll take you for a spin around the track when we learn about the roller derby scene in our city. This is Nashville is a production of WPLN News and Nashville Public Radio. Listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Our producers are Steve Farouche, Rose Gilbert, and Magnolia McKay. Our digital lead is Anna Gallegos Cannon. Michaela Elias is our technical director. Our executive producer is Andrea Tuthope. The masterminds behind our theme music are Lorange and Namir Blade, and the conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at thisisnashville. Find us on Instagram and let us know what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil Ekolona. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And be good to each other. <laughs>